All right, we're ready to give this a go here. <laughs> you moved in your chair and it sounded like you farted. <laughs> Okie dokie. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Morale Podcast, where we do our three favorite things. We talk a little bit of booze, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of basketball. I'm here in Fort Worth, and joining me remotely from Portland, Mitch. What's going on, man? It's been a minute. Hey, what's up? I'm in Dad's office right now, chilling in the great Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Oh, so we are here again on another podcast. We're here to talk a little bit of our um, predictions, who we think is going to win the awards this year. Yeah, it's our guesses for what's definitely going to be right by the end of the season. Yeah, because everyone's always correct about this. <laughs> there are uh, six major events or like awards that they give out in the NBA at the end of the year that it would be MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved, and Rookie of the Year. We have picks for all of them. We have dark horses. We have a lot to talk about today. Yes, and I am very excited to talk about it. But first, I think that we should talk about our drink of the day, a little Kahlua. We mixed it up and we went with a liqueur today because guess what? It's the holidays. It's Christmas season. And what goes better than a nice cup of hot chocolate? Cheers. I like the Steelers mug. Cheers. No Steelers, man. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing my duck shirt because the Ducks won the Pac-12 last night. Oh, they did. Yeah. (laughs) At a solid four and two. Uh, oh my gosh. Anyways, yes, so, I also have here. It's there's my bottle. We are uh, yes. definitely uh, excited to be drinking some warm hot chocolate on a cold winter day and talk some basketball. Yeah. So little stuff about Kahlua. So Kahlua was originally created in 1936 by a guy named Pedro Dominic out of Veracruz, Mexico, and Kahlua has a very like kind of like coffee vanilla kind of flavor to it. It's a little thicker. That's why it goes really well in your coffees. It goes really well in your hot chocolates. And uh, that's why I usually mix it with hot chocolate and it's just delicious. Yeah, it's it's really good. My one complaint is I didn't heat my water up enough. And when I poured the Kahlua in, it kind of cooled it down. So lukewarm chocolate right now. Oh, that's funny. So here's a, uh, a little fun fact about Kahlua is that the actual word Kahlua has ties to ancient Arabic languages and it's said to be like slang for coffee, which is why it's got like a little bit of that coffee flavor in it. It makes a lot of sense. It, it, yep. it shoe fits. Yep. <laughs> well, that's fun. All right. So we've talked a little Kahlua. We'll get more into it later. We'll talk about more about what we're drinking. Mitch has some more facts that he'll share with us in a little bit, but let's get into these awards because we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk through today. Uh, Our first one, we're going to start off with Defensive Player of the Year. And so my thing is I picked, and preface this, Mitch and I both have a list. We have not shared each other's list, or we we haven't shared our list with each other. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to kind of talk to each other, see where we're at, and see what we have similarities, what differences we have. Mitch, Defensive Player of the Year, we have who we think we're going to win, and we have a Dark Horse candidate per event. Yes. And I, uh, I also have a couple other guys that I think could be thrown in, but I have my main guy and I got my dark horse. All right, cool. So my defensive player of the year who I have winning it this year is a player of the heat, Bam Adebayo. He took leaps and bounds 
like from his second year to his third year, just went nuts, averaged over a block and a half a game, averaged over a steal a game, and was just the linchpin of the defense of the Heat. All right, well, starting off hot here because I also have Bam Adebayo winning defensive <laughs> player of the year. No way. <laughs> I yeah. thought, so, so I thought for sure I would have that one on you. I thought for sure you would go somewhere else. You really went. I thought the same thing. Really? Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. What do you, what do you got on Bam so far? All right. So here's my thing for Bam is that first off, he has like the, all of the media and the entire storyline of being one of the best defensive players in the entire bubble last year and being a huge piece as to why he even made the championship and went on the run that they went on because it was like the way that Bam played and the way that they were able to play that stretch zone and Bam just like ran around like a freak and guarded everybody at the same time. His stats aren't actually all that great. I mean, last year he averaged 1.3 blocks and 1.1 steals. So he's definitely good, but not in that like two blocks a game or two steals a game caliber that you usually hear a defensive player of the year on. But I think that all that he'd have to do is be a good team and like be like around that four or five seed. If he can get to one and a half blocks and be over one steals, that's good enough stats to win a defensive player of the year. And all of the media, he's like a media darling right now. Everyone loves Bam. So I just assume that like, that's kind of what's going to go into it. But I will say that my dark horse candidate is uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. I wouldn't say he's a dark horse. He's leading. He's not. That's that's, that's a weak (laughs) dark horse. That's a weak dark. I actually have a true dark horse and that is Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. Ooh, I did not put him down. That's a good one. It's a, it's a dark horse because generally speaking, the, the, the defensive player of the year comes from a good team, like a playoff team and the Knicks are just bad, Mm -hmm. but he did average over two blocks. He did he is a linchpin of their defense. He's a big part of what they do defensively. He blocks a lot of shots. He gets a lot of steals. He averaged over two blocks and is over a steal a game last year and uh, could definitely make an, an impact on the defensive end. And he's just, he's a guy that no one really talks about, but he defensively, he's an absolute monster. Yeah, he's definitely a big stat patter guy when it comes to blocks too. And I think the biggest issue for him winning defensive player of the year is the fact that he plays for the Knicks and they're not going to be any good. Yeah. That's yeah. The the defensive player of the year, like I said, generally comes from a, a good team and the Knicks are just not a good team. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, as far as MVP where MVP, if you aren't a top one, two or three seed, you have zero chance of winning a most valuable player of the year award, but you can win a defensive player of the year being a four five, six seed. We kind of saw that with Gobert, you know, for a couple of years. And so I think that's why I do have bam. Um, some other guys I think that we should keep an eye on. Is, so I had AD. He's not like a dark horse, but I think that he's the guy that if it's not Bam, he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, obviously, Giannis. He just won it last year. Gobert, two-time winner himself. I would not be surprised to see guys like Kawhi, Marcus Smart, Covington, Draymond Green, Dejounte Murray, or uh, um, Mikhail Bridges get their way into the Defensive Player of the Year category this year. Yeah, another guy that you didn't mention that I actually have down on my list is Miles Turner. Another big Ooh. man, another guy could get a lot of blocks. Traditionally speaking, the past, I don't know, 20 years, the big man has won the defensive player of the year. It's generally a big man who gets a lot of blocks. Kawhi has won it a couple of years to like go for the wings, but generally speaking, it goes to a big man. Yes, generally speaking, it does go to a big man. You have to be absolutely stellar at what you do and average minimum two steals a game if you're going to be a perimeter guy that's going to win the defensive player of the year. I don't think Kawhi plays enough to be in that category. 
Uh, I don't know if Marcus Smart is necessarily big enough or has enough clout to win a defensive player of the year, even though he is amazing. I think a Covington could be a dark horse because he was in the conversation two years ago when he was averaging about two steals, about two blocks a game with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So if he plays really well and the Blazers are playing well, I could see him in there. And then uh, I would not be totally stunned if the Warriors are actually playing well. And a lot of it has to do with Draymond Green and his defensive efforts. Yeah, he's another guy that could definitely uh, definitely sneak in there and win it. Uh, he guy that can get steals, get blocks, can guard every position. He's definitely a, a great all-around defensive player and definitely one that has the clout to win a defensive MVP. Yeah, and then the guys who are like way off the beaten path, but maybe you start seeing their names come up in the future is DeJounte Murray with the Spurs. He's a guard. He, ha- he has crazy athleticism, really long wingspan. I believe he's already been a first-team all-defensive player before. Uh, and then the other guy is Mikhail Bridges, small forward for the Suns. And I believe that he will be one of the only players playing defense for the Phoenix Suns this year, if I read correctly. Be him and Chris Paul. Everyone else will just be like, ah, that's all right. You can have a bucket. We'll go get another one on the way down. You score twos, we'll score threes. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I could see Bridges having a season where he is right around that like two steals mark a game and like the linchpin to the Suns defense. And I mean, who knows with the West this year, who's going to pop, but those are who I have guys that like keep your eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the West is stacked again. Both you and I have a player from the East winning it though. So it'll definitely oh. be interesting um, who ends up winning it. We both have Bam. So one, one for one in terms of ties, uh, <laughs> moving on to coach of the year. I have an interesting one. I'm very high on this team. Um, and I think this team will make a big leap, which is why I think this guy will win coach of the year. I have Monty Williams of this, the Phoenix suns winning coach of the year. Ooh, I love that. Monty Williams. He's been around a lot of places. He's had a lot of stints as an assistant coach. He was the head coach for the Pelicans there for a minute. And I always thought that he was better than what his teams were performing as. And so it would not surprise me to see he now gets Chris Paul. They now have like a real basketball team that he can put together and put a real system around. And if they definitely have the talent to sneak into being a four seed, being a a potential top four seed in the West, even if they just make the playoffs, you could make the argument for Monty Williams being coach of the year. So I really like that. Yeah. And another coach for for them is uh, Jay Crowder, another huge piece to that team on the heat. Like he definitely makes a difference. I mean, the Suns are going places and I think that Monty Williams will benefit from their GM moves, if that makes sense. Like I, I, he's a good coach. I don't know if he's good enough to win coach of the year, but I think that the roster is talented enough to where like all of a sudden like, wow, the Suns went from this to this. It's gotta be something to do with the coach. No, that makes a lot of sense. So my coach of the year is Brad Stevens. He has not won a coach of the year yet. Um, He is one of the best coaches in the league and he has been for a while now. And I think that if the Celtics pull out a top two seed, which is, you know, not unthinkable by any stretch that he deserves a coach of the year and that he should win a coach of the year and that they there's going to be kind of like I don't know a bit of a media bias for East Coast and also just liking Brad Stevens and wanting him to have a little bit more clout so they give him coach of the year um my uh oh there we go yeah my dark horse is Steve Nash Steve Nash is an interesting one I I, I thought about Steve him Nash. my dark dark horse actually for a little while Fun fact, Vegas has Steve Nash as the best odds to win coach of the year. No way. Yeah, it's crazy. Really? His odds are, yeah, I was I was actually on Vegas Insider earlier today. Here, let, let me look it up when I was doing this. 
but his odds were actually really good. That's a little bit surprising to me because I see, I mean, the Nets are going to be good. Like you don't, you don't have to, as a coach, you kind of just show up and you're like Kyrie, KD, go do your thing. But I think that if the Nets are to reach their maximum potential, it's going to be because Steve Nash was able to rein, you know, rein in Kyrie, rein in KD, allow them to kind of accept the team building a little bit more, have Joe Harris there where he's actually like using Joe Harris, kind of like JJ Reddick and really like, I don't know, have the entire team play well as a cohesive unit and not just be a couple stars that are just going off and doing their own thing. So I, that's why I had him as my dark horse, but the fact that he's the number one candidate on the, uh, on the Vegas lines is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. He is a 20 to one right now. 20 to one. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, not even that good. <laughs> no, none of them are that good. It's all, it's all, you know, it's all a crapshoot right now, but it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, he inherits a good team. It's kind of like the Steve Kerr Warriors team where it's like, well, show up and don't mess up and, and your team will be good. So like it, he's inheriting a great roster. He's almost a shoe in barring an injury to make the playoffs. So like, I mean, he's not a bad pick. No, not at all. Who's your dark horse? My dark horse is Stan Van Gundy for the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, similar situation to where in the uh, where in the Suns, but I think if the Pelicans they have a talented roster, if they could pop up and let's say you know make a playoffs as like a six seed. Everyone's gonna everyone loves Stan Van Gundy to begin with. Like I could just see him being like, ah, yeah, you know, a, they made the playoffs. A good point. That is a good point. And I mean, the Pelicans can make the playoffs. So kind of along those lines, I uh, I put a little note in my Coach of the Year thing where it's just the coach in the West that most overperforms. And that's that's whatever what I- guy that is. that's that's what I did with both of my picks. We're both like coaches in the mediocre lower half of the West that if you can pop and somehow make a six seed, make a seven seed, you're like, all of a sudden you're like, wow, like this guy must've done something right. Yeah, no, exactly. So uh, I, uh, I'm totally with you. I think that that's, I think that that is a a pretty good pick actually, because people want to like the Pelicans. People want to like Zion. People want to like what's going on in New Orleans. And if they do make it just into the playoffs, there's going to be an argument to be made that uh, Van Gundy should be coach of the year. So I like that. And so coach of the year, that kind of wraps that one up. Let's move on to most improved player. A very interesting award Uh, in the running last year was Brandon Ingram, Luka Doncic. Devontae Graham was also in the running. Brandon Ingram ended up winning. Um, Who do you have for most improved player this year? So I think uh, Brandon Ingram winning is totally fair. Every once in a while, you get a most improved player that jumps from, you know, five, six points a game to 20, 25 points a game. That happened with Oladipo. That happened with CJ McCollum. Uh, So I don't think that it's going to be the same kind of case this year. I don't see a guy like Devontae Graham coming out of nowhere and then just being a 20 point per game star for a team. My winner is going to be SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander with the Thunder. I think that he's going to get a lot of chances to shoot and he's going to, his numbers are just going to blow up because they don't have a whole lot of go-to guys on that Thunder's team now. So that's why I have him as my most improved player. That's interesting. I think he's a good pick. I also think that he's the only option the Thunder have, meaning he's going to be double teamed a lot. He's going to be dealing with a lot of different things. It's part of the being on the bad team. That's kind of why this most improved player award kind of goes to like a team that's like not great, not good, but like where it's a lot of second options normally that just kind of pop off kind yes. of type thing. It's a normally a award that goes from like the Robin to someone's Batman. And mm. so 
and that's why I have my pick, DeAndre Ayton, sticking with the Suns. I think he blows up this year playing next to Chris Paul. I think he benefits so much. I think he'll be on the end of a lot of lobs. I think he'll fit very well next to Chris Paul. Chris Paul knows how to find mismatches, and he is a walking mismatch. I think that I think that he will definitely explode this year. Wow, so you're a big Suns guy this year. I have a lot of coach. awards going to Phoenix. I have their coach, and I have their sixth man of the year award. Or not sixth, <laughs> improved player of the year award. MVP is going to go to, to Devin Booker. That's next. Hold on. <laughs> Just give it a second. Okay, and then uh, before we go into the dark horses, there's a lot of chatter about players who have been injured in recent years and has have long injuries. And what does it look like for them in a case for a most improved player award guys that would be in that conversation are your John wall, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, Yusuf Nurkic guys who have been out for like an entire season. They're kind of just coming back now. you did like guys like Nurk, you did see in the uh, bubble. So he wouldn't be in it, but you do have like Blake Griffin, John Wall, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. They come back and they play pretty much like almost how you would expect them to play. If John Wall comes out after two years and averages 25 and 12, is he in a most improved category for you? I don't think so. And the reason I say this is where the NBA needs to take a page of the NFL's playbook and they need to have a comeback player of the year award, an award separate of everything else where a player that's been injured comes back and plays really well. And so like, keeps people from like improving from losing out on this award, you know, like, cause Kevin Durant zero points, didn't play, didn't do anything last year, can do what he normally does on a year average, you know, high twenties and easily win this award. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, has he improved? Not really. Like he just is what he is. He was hurt. And that's why, in my opinion, the comeback player of the year award is what would be given to guys like that. And what should uh, I totally given. agree. I totally agree. I think that that's actually a great idea. I haven't even thought about the having a different award. That's like a comeback player of the year award, because when I was doing some research, there's a lot of guys that are picking John wall. I was like, well, if John wall comes back and averages 25 and 12, which he very much can, is that improving? Or is that just him being the exact same player after an injury? Like it's not an improvement. So that's where I, I wanted to bring that. Cause I kind of have an issue when people are talking about like using Blake Griffin or Kevin Durant or Steph as like a most improved player candidate. Yeah, in my, my, in my mind, I think that the most improved player is someone who takes his game from like this level, like a lower level, and then goes up a level and gets better. And like a guy coming back from injury isn't necessarily getting better. He's just returning to where he was. And that should be, an, I mean, not saying it's not impressive, not saying that's not award worthy, but I'm just saying that's not the most improved player award. Yes, exactly. So for my dark horse candidate, I have a couple of guys. I went back and forth on a bunch of dudes, but I'm going to go with Michael Porter Jr. I think that he is going to pop off. I think he's going to be right in the 20 to 22 points per game range. I think he's going to average six to eight rebounds. He's probably going to, he's going to start for the nuggets. He's going to get big minutes. He's going to get a lot more touches. I mean, the dude was already complaining about not touching the ball in the bubble. So you've got to give him more touches. Um, I'll go over some of the other guys I think are in the, uh, running though after you say your dark horse yeah so my dark horse you're gonna like it i have gary trent jr being my dark horse most improved player i think that he is going to pop this year another guy similar to deandre ayton i think he's gonna get a lot more minutes he's getting a lot more touches he's gonna fill into his role a little bit well i can see him kind of taking some possessions away from cj a little bit and i just think that gary trent is definitely someone who can sneakily sneak in there and win this kind of Devonte graham fashion 
No, I uh, I love that. I totally agree because he doesn't have to average all that. Like he kind of has to do what he's doing at the end of the season to be a candidate for most improved player. So some other dudes that I saw were being batted around. There was Markel Fultz, Jalen Brown, Jeremy Grant, Darius Garland, Kobe White, DeJounte Murray, and one I really like that I almost chose, Marvin Bagley. I actually have Mar- Marvin Bagley on my on Really? My, if he could stay healthy. Yes, yeah. that is his thing. If but, he can stay healthy, he can be great. Yes, and it's different from guy missing a whole, like being like gone for a year and then coming back and being the same. This guy is a guy who has been kind of nagging injuries, has been playing through them. If he could be 100% healthy and just kind of put the pieces together, I could see him popping very much as well. Another guy I have written down is Jarrett Culver, a guy who was very highly drafted, very talented player out of college, Texas Tech, very, you know, all-around player, plays good defense, can score. If he can just kind of put the pieces together in his third year, he could definitely really help a Timberwolves team and could also um, win this award. He's being pushed now by Anthony Edwards, so now he's got some competition in practice. I can see him really putting it together. Yeah, I was going to say my only problem with – I love Culver. I loved him coming out coming out of Texas Tech. I still think that he could be a really great player in the NBA, but he's not going to start, and he's not going to really get, be given the opportunity to start as long as they're running the Anthony Edwards thing because Rubio will start and D'Lo will start for sure. And Culver kind of fits in that one – like you can put him at one, two, or three kind of thing where he's really versatile. He's a really good basketball player. He plays good defense. He can get a bucket, but now I think they've already moved on from him, which is, I think, kind of sad. Yeah, it's a bummer. Actually, really interesting thing. I was uh, watching some of the Blazers preseason games, actually, random, or not Blazers, uh, Timberwolves preseason games randomly the other day, and they weren't starting Culver or Edwards. They were starting Malik Beasley at the three. Shocking to me. That's not super shocking for me, actually. I think that... I think Malik Beasley is at least right now the better basketball player of the three. I will say I love me some Malik Beasley. I think he's starting to become a bit of a dummy dumb by doing all this just like stupid stuff off the court because, but uh, he is a very good basketball player. So that doesn't totally surprise me, but yeah, it's uh, maybe the wolves are a little bit deeper than I was giving them credit once upon yeah. a time. Another team that in the West, that is scary. <laughs> All right, so we've gone through three awards. We've gone through Defensive Player of the Year. We have gone through Coach of the Year, and we've gone through Most Improved. Let's take a break here. Let's talk a little bit more Kahlua. Uh, what else you got to share with us here? All right, so here's a uh, another little fun fact for you is that Kahlua is actually, when it was originally created, which was around 1940 when it actually started coming to America, it was run by all females. Like, it was a female led organization that like had the whole creative content for everything that was Kahlua which you know back in the 1940s that was relatively unheard of and so it's kind of a cool thing that they were trendsetters in that way yeah that is pretty cool I mean progressive and nice to see women getting opportunities and stuff like that on the back of my bottle here it actually has a recipe for a pitcher of mudslide which I'm not entirely sure what mudslide is but it says step one Fill a blender with ice. Step two, add one and a half cups of Kahlua. Holy cow. That's a lot. Of <laughs> Step three, blend for 45 to 50 seconds. Step four, add more Kahlua if you want. So basically it's just Kahlua and ice if you want to make a mudslide. Oh, that's funny. I got here, I got, uh, they have different uh, ingredients for a white Russian, which is Kahlua, vodka, and some heavy cream. 
Ooh, that could do some damage to some people. <laughs> <laughs> they got an espresso martini and something called the eraser, which I'm sure if I am having a rough night, might want to try the eraser out. <laughs> the eraser. That is the eraser. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about if I were going to be drinking an eraser. I'm going to stick with hot chocolate. Yeah. Oh, so I was going to go into how I made my hot chocolate. For those of you that like, like to do it kind of like Ethan or apartment style, how I I usually do it is you just get the packet top or get the water, put in the microwave, warm it up, toss the packet in. So for this, I actually, I got my milk, whole milk, put it in a pan, got it nice and warm just before bubbling. So it was nice and hot. And then, uh, put the milk inside of uh, uh, another little side glass. And then I just like do little bits of uh, hot chocolate that come out of like a, a fancy little uh, glass container and just do like a spoonful and a spoonful, a little bit more glass, a little more spoonful until I just like got this perfect like milky hot chocolate. And then I just put a whole crap ton of Kahlua on top of it. And if you want a good cup of hot chocolate for your Christmas morning, that's what I would go with. That is, that sounds actually really good. Mine was warm water, half a packet of the uh, the pre-made stuff. And then I poured in Kahlua, but the Kahlua, again, like I said earlier, was cold. So it kind of made a lukewarm chocolate. But it's still good, right? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. The Kahlua, I'm actually like, I'm empty. I'm done with my hot chocolate now. So I have to go make more at some point, but uh, it's actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. I like Kahlua. I don't know if I'd ever drink a mudslide or an eraser or anything, but I put it in my hot chocolate. Yeah. Coffee. Abs- absolutely. It's good in hot chocolate, good in coffee, good for white Russians, all sorts of stuff. And we're going to be bringing more uh, holiday themed drinks to you over the next couple pods. Yes. Christmas themed, holiday themed. We're all here every time. It's holiday season. It's cold. Some warm stuff to best uh, drinks uh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> holiday cocktails actually. Um, so let's jump back into this actually. So, uh, we're moving on to our fourth category, which is the six man of the year award. Mitch, what do you got? All right. So six man of the year award. I, I, I went back and forth as to who I thought was going to win this. Cause I have one guy who I think is a pretty wild, wild card that aren't that people aren't thinking about, but I'm going to go with the mainstay who I really think is going to win six man of the year, which is Montrez Harrell. He won it last year with the Clippers. He's going to be coming off the bench with the Lakers. He's going to be able to average, you know, 18 to 20 because he's going to be able to get a lot of shots up there in that second unit. I think, and people, they're going to want to give awards to the Lakers because they're going to be the, they're the reigning champs. They're going to be the number one seed barring some sort of injury or whatever. Uh, And I think that Trez is the most likely to win that award because I actually think Schroeder's going to end up starting. I would, I would agree that Schroeder ends up starting. Um, God, I do not want Tress to win this award. I don't want him to win either. It's just what I think is going to happen. <laughs> that is fair. It's upsetting, but true. He's definitely going to get up a lot of shots. He's going to average around 20. He's going to do basically what he did on the Clippers, just in another uniform. I actually have a, a an interesting pick here that um, I don't know if you've thought of. I have Gallo. Danilo Gallinari, Ooh. who as of now, the Hawks have not started him. So if he's coming off the bench, he's another guy that could average, you know, 20 plus and really just put in put in buckets i mean the six man of the year award generally goes to a high scoring usually guard but every once in a while a big will win it like last year and um that comes off the bench obviously and i think gallo can continue the trend of bigs winning it by a big coming off and just scoring a lot 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially in a team that's going to be so fast paced and chuck up as many threes as what the Hawks are going to do next year. Gal, I didn't even have him on my list for a potential guy. So I think that that's a great pick. Yeah, I, I think he's going to do well. I also think that he is going to get a lot of opportunity. That second unit is going to be him. It's going to be the offense is going to run through him and he's just going to be able to cook a lot of backup bigs. Yeah. And he loves to shoot as I think Gallo's biggest problem that he's going to run into is his own health. If he can play a little bit less minutes coming off the bench, but still be able to go put up 18, you know, that's going to put him right there in that six man of the year race. So that's a good pick. Absolutely. Who do you have for your dark horse? All right. So my dark horse so far in this preseason, they have not started him. And it's a little surprising to me. And that is Karis Levert with the Brooklyn Nets. I think the Nets are going to be kind of like the Hawks, very high scoring, shoot a ton of threes, get a lot of buckets. And if Karis Levert's coming off the bench, putting up that, I mean, kind of like what we're talking about with Danilo, you putting up 15 to 20 right in that range and is efficient. And the Nets are going to be good. I think that puts him right in that area. Who's your dark horse? Uh, my dark horse, I have, he's an absolute microwave off the bench. I have Jordan Clarkson. I've talked figured. about him. I've talked about him earlier on the podcast about how I think he will win a six man of the year be- award before he retires. And I think this is as good a year as any. I think he could j- definitely push for one. He's a guy that could also average 20 off the bench, high teens, low twenties off the bench. And really just, he's a, he's not necessarily efficient, but for a, a volume scorer, he's more efficient than you think. Yeah, no, it's, I remember looking at some of his percentages last year. I was like, oh, wow, you're not, you're not terrible. Like I kind of thought that they were just going to be big numbers because the jazz were going through so many injury woes, losing Bojan, Ingles taking a step back and he kind of just, and Conley not playing as well as they assumed that he would be. He stepped in as soon as he showed up to Utah and was just getting buckets and off the bench. And I thought it was just a very low efficiency, but no, he, uh, he was shooting the ball really well. So I, on my list of guys, I think that we should keep an eye on when it comes to the six man of the year race, Clarkson was near the top of the list. Other guys that I think that we should, you know, keep your side eye going on them. Will Barton, he doesn't start for the the Nuggets, and he is a, a absolute microwave, total electricity guy. He has made it known that he should be starting for the Nuggets. He is very unhappy about the idea of coming off a bench. I can see him, a guy, demanding a trade at some point here in the near future. I would not be stunned to see a uh, see them have to part ways either with Barton or Michael Porter because both of them want to start and both of them want to get up shots. So something's going to have to give there. So Will Barton, and then I've got J.J. Redick, who is coming off the bench right now, and he's going to do exactly what J.J. Redick does for the last 18 years of his basketball playing career, which is show up and make a whole bunch of threes. And especially with the Pelicans who need that spacing, he could have some pretty good numbers this year. Can never count out Lou Will. You always got to have Lou Will in this conversation. It's amazing we didn't pick him. He is the the six man. Yes, he is the ultimate six man. Um, and then I've got Brandon Clark, who I don't think he's going to put up big stats, but is like a really effective player for like a really big player for the Grizzlies. And then I've got Drogic and Mello, a couple older guys coming off the bench that, that will probably get some buckets. Yeah, I can see all those guys. Uh, I Again, I think this is definitely a, a, an award that's going to go to basically the highest scoring bench player this year. I mean, it's going to be the guy who can effectively put up 20 points. Yes. If a guy can go and put up 20 points a game, it's good. I mean, yeah, it could just be an arms race of whoever averages the most points per game off the bench, which unfortunately screams Montrez Harrell. 
Yes, which is kind of why I leaned towards old Montrez Harrell, your favorite big man in the NBA. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so let's talk some newcomers. Let's talk some rookies. Um, I, I'll i just go straight into mine because I don't think you have this guy. I have LaMelo Ball winning rookie of the year. I think he's going to have the keys. I think he's going to put up a lot of points. I don't think he's going to be necessarily efficient, but the rookie of the year award isn't necessarily based on efficiency. But he doesn't start. He's not going to get enough minutes. I get that like they might just like give him the keys and let him do his own thing, but I don't I I don't know. I don't want him to win it. So I'm going to make up excuses why he shouldn't win it. <laughs> he he will be starting by the end of the year. He might not start at the beginning of the year, but come the end of the year he will be a starting point guard for the Hornets. I don't know. I mean, I I think they're pretty committed to starting Graham and Rogier unless one of them takes a significant step back or if they're like oh my God, like Lamelo is the guy. Like we need to clear some space and move him into the starting lineup. That could definitely happen. And I'm as not going to. And as much as you don't want Lamelo to be the guy, he's a very talented player who might be the guy. Yeah, as he can really pass the ball. He, lo- he loves him a good fancy pass. Yes, he does. He had, what, in his first game, he had like four or five where I was like, oh my gosh, like, holy guacamole, this guy can really see the court. And of four or five of those, there was three or four of them where I was like, you know, you could have just done a normal bounce pass and would have had the exact same amount of effectiveness than what you're like, whoop de doo behind the back did. But it's not as fun. It's not as fun. And I six, love me the fundamentals. The six man of the year award also goes, or not six man, the rookie of the year award also goes to a player that's generally in the spotlight. And you know yes. LaMelo is going to have the spotlight. Yes. I think that LaMelo is probably the guy in prime position because the, he like, you know, it's another one of those things. These are media awards. He's loved by the media. He's a very like outspoken, charismatic kid. I mean, he's been, had the camera shoved in his face since he was 12 years old. So he, he knows how to be in front of the cameras and it would not surprise me if he won rookie of the year. That being said, I am not going to pick LaMelo Ball. And (laughs) and I'm going to go with Killian Hayes out of Detroit. I think that he is going to have as much of a, like as much leash as anyone Uh, any of these rookies coming into the league this year, he's going to be able to put up a whole bunch of shots because who on the Pistons really is going to be your isolation guy. I mean, they brought in Jeremy Grant to maybe be that guy, but I don't know if he actually can do that. And so yeah, go for it. That's another guy who's going to get the keys. That's another guy that's going to be like, Hey, you want to go have eight turnovers and three assists and score 20 points? Sure. Why not? Go do it. Exactly. But anyways, Exactly. And so that's, that's why I think that he will win rookie of the year because he is going to end up putting up big stats on a bad team. Now, do you have a dark horse candidate? I do. I do. And I I have a weird feeling that you and I might have the same dark horse. We'll have to see. I have Devin Vassell, 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 whoever it is. Good one. It's not mine. That's a good one. The Spurs guy. He's a Spurs guy and pop loves himself a Spurs guy. And he's, he's just a Spurs guy. It's just a Spurs guy. He's a lunch pail. Bring your lunch pail. I'm going to play a hard nose defense. I'm going to take good shots. I'm just going to, you know, go to work and go home type of guy. Yes. And the Spurs might be better than we're giving them credit for. I mean, it's still a Popovich coach team that still has DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus and some good young talents. And Vassell is really like the go-to three there. He's going to be their starting small forward. And like you said, he's a good defender, could have good, could have good defensive rating stats. And then also it was a high volume, high percentage three-point shooter in college. So if that translates, I could absolutely see him coming and sneaking in to win a rookie of the year. 
Um, my my dark horse is going to be Halliburton. That's Tyrese a, Halliburton. Arguably the steal of the draft, Tyrese. Yes. Halliburton. Yeah, I think that he's he's six foot five. He's going to play shooting guard. I think that him coming into a situation where he doesn't have to be the lead ball handler and he can be the secondary playmaker and hit like open threes that comes off of De'Aaron Fox driving into the lane is going to fit his style a lot more than if he was like the guy on a bad team. So I, I see him fitting really well into that King system. I think that he's long. He's going to play good defense. And I think he's going to have pretty decent stats because someone on the Kings is going to have to score points outside of just Fox and Buddy Heald. And whether that's Bagley or whether that's Halliburton, someone else, someone's going to have to step up. And if it is Halliburton, I can see him winning the six, the uh, rookie of the year. Yeah, absolutely. He's very talented for a guy who went outside of the top 10. Mm-hmm. Argu- again, like I said earlier, arguably the steal of the draft. Yes. And real quick, other guys that we should watch this year, they're going to be, there's a ton of fun rookies. So Obi Toppin out of New York, if he is starting, if he is playing, he's playing pretty well in the preseason. He could be a guy, um, James Wiseman out of Golden State, if he's starting for them and the potential playoff team, he could be really exciting. Obviously, the number one pick in the draft, Anthony Edwards, always has a chance of winning Rookie of the Year when you're the number one pick in the draft. Uh, Isaac Okoro, Cole Anthony, and Abdia are the other guys I have on this list. Another guy that I'm not sure if he qualifies as a rookie, but is worth mentioning here is Bull Bull. Actually, I think he does. I think I saw something that they're they're going to register him as a rookie this year. So he's a guy that, I mean, from what I've heard, he's not going to play a ton. But if he, for some reason, pops, you never know. A guy, It's a weird rule in the NBA where, like, technically you can play X amount of games and still be a rookie. But it happened with um, Ben Simmons, and it's happened with a couple of other guys where who have been hurt. Blake Griffin did it. Um so it could be a guy like Bull Bull could come in and be like, ah, yeah, I've I've kind of figured this NBA thing out. I've I took my year, I I took some lumps, and now I've kind of figured out my role here. And you never know, he could pop too. That's a guy who can is a walking mismatch. I've been I've been watching a decent amount of Nuggets preseason games because the last two came against the Blazers, and they absolutely just walloped on us. And Bull Bull got a lot of run, and he just he's a guy that just like it doesn't seem like it should work. It looks like it's two people, like one on another person's shoulders running around <laughs> there. <laughs> like his legs, and his arms go for absolute ever. And he knocks down these fadeaway threes and everything he does looks awkward, but it kind of just works. The and so it depends. It. Yeah. It depends on how much run the nuggets actually give him this year, because I've heard everything from maybe he's their backup center to maybe he ends up starting a power forward to he could be playing a little small forward with them. Seven foot one small forward. Yeah. What have we gone to people? Have we gone too far? <laughs> have we gone too far NBA? What is happening right now? What is the limit? What is the limit? Is he the next Kevin Durant? No, it's definitely not. But it's fun to think about. <laughs> uh, we've got one more award to talk. It's the crown jewel. It's the MVP. Mitch, who do you have? All right. The most valuable player award now i would i would be a bad blazer fan not to mention that damian lillard has got a chance and he should he's absolutely i'm just gonna go straight for he's my dark horse uh but the guy who i think is going to win mvp this year is one luka Doncic. i also have luka Doncic winning mvp as, as a good Mavs fan you should have luka Doncic winning mvp I think that there's a couple of pieces to this recipe that Doncic is cooking up right now for his MVP campaign. 
Number one is that Giannis has now won two years in a row. People do not like when do like the media does not like voting a guy to win three years in a row. Voter Last fatigue time, is real. Voter yes. fatigue is very real. I mean, there there were in the like mid 2010s, LeBron should have won MVP like eight years in a row. And it just he didn't because of voter fatigue. Yeah, he was, I mean, he's been the best player in the league for a long time. And it's all about storylines and voter fatigue. And the last time that there was a back-to-back-to-back MVP winner was in the 80s with Larry Bird. And a piece of that was the fact that he was winning championships at the time. Giannis has not proved anything in the playoffs. I think people are really, really tired of the Giannis thing, which is why he won't win a DPOY and he won't win an MVP. So that is the first part to the Luka thing. Second part is that he is this like anomaly of a European guy who is really fascinating. He's been balling since he was a kid and he is going to put up absolute bonkers stats this year. He's going to put, I mean, he's going to be in the, like the 30 point per game range. He's probably going to be right around 10 rebounds and 10 assists, potentially doing another 30, 10 and 10, kind of like Russell Westbrook did. I don't know how many wins it's going to lead to. And I honestly think, that this is one of the weird years where the Mavericks don't have to be a one, two or three seed for Luca to win MVP. Yeah. I mean, it, everyone's kind of talking, you talked about storylines and everyone's kind of talking the storyline about how Luca's the next LeBron and like how Giannis was, is the next Shaq. Like Luca, the po- torch being passed from LeBron to Luca, like Luca winning an MVP. I mean, the numbers are there, like in the bubble in the playoffs last year against the Clippers of all teams, like the best defensive team in the league. He averaged 31 points a game, eight and 8.7 assists and 9.8 rebounds. So almost a 30 point triple double against Paul George, Kawhi, Pat Bev, Marcus. I mean, they, you argue like three of those guys should have been, should have been all, not necessarily all defensive first team, but all defensive team type guys. Like, and he's putting up those bonker numbers. Like he is definitely a guy who can have the stats to back it up. I agree with you that it's just he, him winning it will depend on how good the Mavs are. Because if the Mavs sneak in as like an eight seed or they miss the playoffs, Luke is not winning MVP. If you don't make the playoffs, absolutely not. But I think that even if you are a seven or eight seed and Luca has Luca has the best stats and the best storyline and people are like, and the media just keeps pushing like Luca needs to win MVP. Luca needs to win MVP. Luca needs to win MVP. Then Luca will end up winning it. Like despite all of that. So outside of Luca, I like, obviously I chose my dark horses, Dame, just because why not? I need to have some blazer. I got to vote for some blazer in here and he could go off for 30 a game. And if we play really well, then he's got a good storyline and I could see it, but that is, that's my dark horse. I'll go over some of the other guys that we should, uh, we should talk about, but who's yours. I have two and okay. one of them being Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. If the Nuggets somehow get the two seed or maybe even get the one seed, the Lakers decide not to try in the regular season. You know, LeBron being like, ah, it's a shortened season. I'll just, we'll sneak in and we'll do whatever. I mean, Jokic leading a one seed or a two seed could really, really put up some good numbers and definitely have a a definite say in whether or not he wins an MVP. And then my other guy is Steph Curry. He is going to be shooting the ball every single time he can. And I could see this being a year where Steph averages 35, 38, something crazy like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, on the Steph thing, he is going to shoot the ball a lot this year. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of guys that he can really rely on where you don't rely on Wiggins like you can, obviously, Clay. You don't rely on Ubre. You've never been able to rely on Draymond as a shooter. And now you're bouncing between Marquise Chris, 
Wiseman and Kevon Looney as your other starter. So it was like, who, who's Steph Curry looking at on the court when he dribbles the ball up towards half court, he's looking at everyone else on the team. He's like, nah, I'm just going to shoot it. I'm just going to run around for a minute and then take a crazy shot. And it's going to be a better percentage shot. Any of you taking a wide open shot. I would take a Steph Curry double team fadeaway three over an Andrew Wiggins wide open three. And I don't think I'm the only one that will say that. Yeah. And I think Steph Curry is probably thinking the exact same thing. And he's going to, he's going to go into straight backpack mode this year. So I think he, de- he absolutely is going to be a guy talked about towards winning an MVP. The Nikola Jokic thing. I love Jokic's game. I think especially if he can average a 25 point triple double, if he can get his assists like at like 10 or 11, keep his rebounds right around 10 or 11. And the nuggets do have that one seed. I, I think a hundred percent that it's Jokic's MVP to lose at that point. Uh, some other guys that I wanted to mention that, Obviously, Giannis is going to have a chance. I mean, he's, a, he's the back-to-back winner, but voter fatigue makes us think that he probably shouldn't, which is a lame reason not to give a guy an MVP. I'm going to throw that out there right now. If he's the best player, he should be the best player. Like, again, similar to the thing that happened to LeBron, like LeBron should have more MVPs than he had. Kobe should have had more MVPs than he had. Kobe only had one. And it's mm. crazy to me that he only had one. So it's just like... Voter fatigue is real and people get tired of seeing the same name over and over and over again, for sure. Yes. So Giannis absolutely needs to be talked about. LeBron needs to be talked about him and Anthony Davis, both. Like, I think that they kind of are going to take votes from each other. It's like, Oh, you can't vote for LeBron because he has Anthony Davis on his team and vice versa with Anthony Davis. So they're going to lose a lot of votes that way. But I mean, they're two of the top five players in the NBA right now. Then you also have guys like Kawhi. If Kawhi actually like, I don't know, cares a little bit during the regular season. <laughs> Maybe he can win an MVP. Um, KD, Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. He comes back and he plays well. He's an MVP guy. He always has been an MVP guy. Um, and then I also want to put out there uh, Embiid and Jason Tatum. A couple of youngins that are right there and their teams are already good and they already get fat stats and they just kind of need like that extra bump. I don't know what that is, but they need a little something extra. They need to pay their dues. It's one of those things where young guys don't normally get it. That's why Luca getting consideration and Giannis actually winning it is as crazy as it is normally mm-hmm. to an older guy. Um, another guy that we should probably talk about here is uh, Russell Westbrook. If he kind of fits in mm-hmm. with his new team and can average that crazy 30 point triple double, like he did a couple of years ago. I mean, how, how can you not give it to him? I mean, wherever Harden ends up, he's another guy that could just really go nuclear and for a year. And just, especially if he's on a team where he's like, well, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere and I don't care. I might as well shoot the ball every single time. <laughs> I I am kind of done with the Harden thing. I I think that even if he comes back to the Rockets and plays with them or say, I mean, I guess if he gets traded to the Sixers, then he will go back to having a chance. But I don't think that people are going to take him seriously as an MVP candidate going forward. Just almost not even voter fatigue, but just like fatigue of James Harden. Just be like, oh, God, James, we're just we're tired of you <laughs> we're sick of your bullshit man yeah we're done we're done james harden no more of mvp votes for you i don't know he's still really good and obviously needs to be talked about but i think that majority of nba fans and media are a little bit done with the james harden experience yeah absolutely well we both have luca winning mvp we both had bam winning dpoy we disagreed on everything else uh we <laughs> opened and closed with agreeing um but yeah, that is our uh, that is our awards races wrapping up uh, the end of the off season here. Uh, next pod, I think, will be uh, or no, two pods from now will be uh, season starting, right? 
No, our our next pod will be as will be the because the first games are on the twenty second. Oh, our next right. pod is going to release oh. on Wednesday. I'm such a Mavs fan. I'm like, oh, Mavs don't play to the twenty third. We're fine. Yes, yeah, so no. the pod will be uh will be basketball. So this is our last uh off season pod. Exciting stuff. We talked awards races. I definitely want to give out a shout out to my boy Garrett. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We're gonna to try to give shout outs to people that we know are listening to us. So thanks for watching, Garrett, or listening wherever you're doing. Thanks, Garrett. Never met you, but you sound like a great guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is our awards races pro, uh, pod with uh, Kahlua. We drank some uh, lukewarm chocolate, or at least I did, and uh, had some had some uh, beautifully warm, warmed up milk Kahlua hot chocolate. You should do it my way. It's much better. Well, man. Thanks, Kahlua. <laughs> thanks, Kahlua. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, you guys, for listening. We appreciate you guys. Hit us up on our socials, as always. Let us know what you think. If you uh, have any requests, hit us up. That's another one done, man. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Clink. 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 <laughs>